Hey there, ghosties. Welcome to episode 90 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Today we're sitting down with James Brunt, who just uh, was able to announce that he was cast in Theater of the Mind, being uh, told off-center the Denver Center Productions. Hope you get those tickets. We talked about staying open, Magneto, whether he was right or wrong, and the importance of telling your story. I hope you will take time out as well to get tickets to Il Fuminati, the sixth rendition of Il Fuminati, June 10th through the 11th at the Savoy in Denver. Tickets are ranging from $33 to $60. You can get those tickets now at eventbrite.com. Again, that's Il Fuminati, the sixth rendition, June 10th through the 11th at the Savoy in Denver. Get those tickets. Also, make sure that you are keeping your eyes open for tickets to the Public Domain Festival, which includes works from Buntport, Sioux Teatro, and the Catamounts Theater Company, all public domain work and our creations therein. Once again, it's James Brunt. This was a great conversation. Tell your friends, subscribe today. Dan, give us some more by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Welcome to the Ghost Lights Podcast. This is episode 90. Oh, dang. Now we're just 10 away from the century mark, and I wanted to get a big special guest on here, someone I have a great deal of respect for, someone who is climbing up the charts, but has probably been close to the top for a really long time. <laughs> His name is James Brunt. James! Hello. Hi, James. Hey. How the hell are you? I'm good. This is great. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> the big, big release this week. I know. Yeah. Theater of the Mind stuff. You can finally, mind. finally talk about it. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me about what you think the process is going to be without giving too much away. There are no spoilers here. Oh, you ready? Yeah. Here, here comes no spoilers. I don't know anything. Nice. <laughs> about anything. I just know I'm in it. I know the process of like, it's like a mix between like immersive and like all this magic that everyone's doing and everyone's been working super hard. But like, I feel like the public at this point knows more than me. <laughs> and I've ran across that many times in my uh, life of just wandering around wondering what's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure you, everyone else knows more than me. So uh, it that's sounds, the secret. It, I, love, I love the way you sold it because it sounds to me like it's a combination of Mal, Meow Wolf and a David Blaine concert. Mm, yeah, yeah. They do, probably. Yeah, there's going to be magicians. We're going to cut somebody in half. It's going to be wild. Fire everywhere. Yeah, everyone maybe Peter Trin. We love that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, we do love yeah. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Shout out to you, Peter. Yeah, shout out, shout out to all the all the Denverites that are in this show. Yeah, the it's cast wild. It's amazing. The, the cast, cast is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, just those people alone. And then then who's like the co-creator or the creator? Is it David Byrne? Yeah, yeah. There's because it's David Byrne and like I ain't gonna say no names because I'm like I'll mess up names. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah. but just yeah, all that stuff. All the good people. Very all the cool. good people. Mm -hmm. What do you think this? kind of moment to me this is a big moment there's at mm -hmm. least 15 denver people on that posting that just came out cast wise you got general Reyes who's been a guest mm -hmm. on we've got amanda brooke wilson who's been a guest on peter trin 
um, Abner Genesee, mm-hmm. uh, Donnie L. Betts. Yeah. Like, uh, these are all, some of these people are huge cornerstone names yeah. what, uh, what I think this theater community needs. And they're all being included in this process. Do you think this is a big thing for local Denver actors? I would say it's it's huge. It's probably one of the biggest things that's ever happened because I know like a lot of Denver actors, like we're all kind of all over the place and we all have our own um, things going on from theater to random gigs to everyone's just trying to do what they can to like survive but also like make it in their own way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like especially for the Denver Center, I feel like this is a huge deal to have like it's like purely dim, you know what I mean? Everyone yeah. lives here. Like everyone <laughs> stays out here in some capacity and that's like almost unheard of. Like growing up even, I remember people being like, well, dang, I have to move to New York just to come back and be in a show in Denver at the Denver Center, yeah. like stuff like that. So it's, I think it's a big deal. I think it's like said, it's like a big statement too, that there's like truly talent out here Absolutely. and you don't have to um, move halfway across the world to find it. You know, yeah, I'm. I was definitely one of those people, especially when I was a kid. When I would go see Denver Center shows, I would open up the program and be like, "Every single person has been a dead body on Law and Order." Yeah, exactly. Every person in the show has been killed on Law and Order. Uh-huh. Is that what it takes? Yeah, <laughs> like I, gotta I just got to be. I got to be covered in blood with my with my jeans down around my <laughs> knees on my on my stomach for 15 seconds, and Jerry Orbach makes a fun funny little one little one liner yeah, about you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. Should have cleaned his pants. Nick Wolf, I uh, know you brought the show back, so please hire me. <laughs> anyway, um, do you feel like this opportunity puts any pressure on these on these actors to deliver? Do you feel any pressure specifically, or is um, it just like? It's it's a big opportunity. Of course, there's pressure. It's a it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, yeah the pressure comes with with the opportunity. It's uh, it's definitely a big deal. I know I or me personally, I know I was just like, I'm ready for anything. I've always been ready for like the next project, the next gig, mm-hmm. the next anything that's gonna make my career like you know just go a little bit further than what it is the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too worried because I just think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I yeah. think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think we have the right people, creative team, actors, like everything all around 360. That's just gonna make this process like one of a kind. And um, I'm not too worried about it. Like, if, I'm nervous, of course, because it's like, woo, this is like the next step, next level, like level up in my career yeah. for sure. Um, so I'm just like ready to explore like what's next um, during this process and like what comes after this is always like a big what if and mm-hmm. stuff too. But like, yeah, I'm just here for the ride. Nice. <laughs> That's a great mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, honestly, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for you. And I, I think, you are more than deserving. You've earned this spot. It's it's been clear to see, and I, I think for everyone involved in this project, like I'm so happy to see those names up there. Um, I know I forgot a lot of you, so please send your angry tweets at the Ghost Lights <laughs> One, and uh, I will make sure that I, I apologize profusely there. But congratulations to you, James, and everybody. Oh, thank you. Of course. I appreciate it. Now, theater, James. Yeah. <laughs> how did it happen to you? Um, man, theater, theater is a weird place in my life. I didn't really grow up with a lot of, uh, stage stuff. Like it wasn't really a thing on my radar. I was more into, um, just movies and music and stuff. And I, I always loved art. Like I always was like, yeah, an artist is what I want to be. And that like 
traumatized and scared everyone around me because they're like we're already like struggling for money like you know it's like we're, i didn't cover like the richest family or nothing like mm-hmm. we were well off we're good like but it was like what i remember my mom's eyes like when i was like i want to be an actor and she just looked at me and she was like excited but i saw at the same time she was like what do you mean like you have to have these backup plans and all this other stuff and my brain truly works like nah there is no backup plan. Like, this is what I want to do. And I got in a lot of trouble um, early on, like, in third grade and stuff, because mm-hmm. I was the kid who kids were like, well, I want to be um, an astronaut, or, like, I want to be a fireman, or something like that. Yeah. And then I would look at them, and I was like, well, I want to be an actor. Like, I knew in third grade I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And then the next day, you know, like, Billy or Tommy or whoever would come, and they'd be like, actually, I want to be a nurse, or I want to be a chef. And I was like, you're not dedicated. Nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, in third grade, I'm like, you're not dedicated to whatever dream you have, because you literally changed in a day i love it you're and, third grade redwood you're yeah. already throwing shade yes yeah, so yeah. i was pissed like i was <laughs> i was very upset and i and i think about that and i'm like oh my god it was nuts like telling all these other kids in my class like what do you mean you changed career like that's what you want to do now mm. like and i i know you could be whatever you want to be but truly i was like you don't have passion like you're not dedicated to what you want to be because mm. you don't know and like that was like a, and like the year myself say that now too is like yeah I'm nuts I still kind of believe it though like I still believe it to a point where I'm like if you have a dream or if you have something that you really like want to do mm-hmm. like you have every you can do it like there is nothing stopping you yeah real world problems money time life you yeah. know there's all kinds of things that get in the way oh, yeah. but like if you really want to do something you'll do it. Like no one's stopping you from doing it. Mm-hmm. It's it's usually an inner battle with oneself. Yeah, it's the and only like, one in the way is yeah. You. The only one in the way is is like you. So mm-hmm. early on, I like realized that like real quick for myself, and I was like, where the only that, person that's gonna stop me is me. And where did so that come from? Do, um, my parents have a hard work ethic, mm-hmm. um, and I come from a place where, like, if you don't work hard, you die. Low key, like it's like. If you, if you don't do what you need to do or to stay afloat, like, things go wrong. And, like, my dad, like, he was in the Army um, over, 20, like, 27 years or something. Um, and my mom uh, was, like, she's, like, a military accountant, basically. She, like, mm-hmm. works on base. She just retired. But um, so I grew up in a military family, and all my family is pretty military, like, Air Force, Marines, like we kind of range like all over the place, like of what branches and stuff. So like, I just come from this background of like, okay, like these are the people who chose, you know, this path and like, mm-hmm. this is what they wanted to do. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. Like my brain always was like, um, the only way I would join the army is if it's like my last resort. And yeah. like, shout out to people who like want to join the forces and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, they, that's, your prerogative and like do what you have to do like I get it totally understand it but like for me I was like that's not really an option Mm -hmm. you know I I never wanted to do it like because I just thought there was like so much I had to learn and like be able to enjoy and just be free be free because like watching my parents um you know, work like these nine to fives, like work these nine to fives and just like slave away trying to take care of me and my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, it hurt me growing up. Like it kind of hurt me just like watching them do everything they can to like be able to take care of us, you know? And I'm like super appreciative of it. Like I just like, I take everything like to heart because 
like they pushed me to be like, if you want to do it, then you have to do it like mm-hmm. at a hundred percent. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna half-ass it. Like if you want to be an actor, then you have to go out there and like show that you're gonna be an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I always had this just brain thing of like, do it, do it, do it, because like I went to. School. I hated school. <laughs> I, I actually truly hate school. I uh, was. I'm really good at it. I've mm-hmm. always been really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was boring. I always mm-hmm. got really bored. And um, there was times, even in elementary, where it was like, you know, your teachers like, hey, if you do all your work, you can do this. And then like, I my work is already done. I usually did my work like the day before or like ahead of time, so Same. I could just have free time. And like, Same. so I was just like, let me just get this free time, and then I could just read Goosebump books every day. And and Hell so yeah. and, and no one can bother me. Hell yeah. But everyone would get upset at me because they're like, James, why are you reading Goosebumps right now? And I'm like, my work is done. They're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And R.L. Stein is. is a yeah. Genius. Genius. The yeah. I yeah, R.L. Stein, if you ever listen to this, like number one fan. Like <laughs> and, you, and the invitation to be on the pod is yeah, always there. Always there. Just Please come to so on the pod. So good. Anyway, so that hit so, my life. That hit so close to home because yeah. I was rewarded by getting like good grades by getting a book and it was oh. it, every single O on my outstanding mm. on my report card yeah. another goosebumps book. yeah, yeah. like <laughs> there's so many there's so do, many you can read i mean off top do you have a favorite do you have a favorite goosebump mine was deep trouble the one with the orca on the cover oh yo i think it was like the 13th book yeah that's yeah. crazy I was like every time we talk about anyone talks about goosebumps it's the first image that comes up in my head that's like, funny ah the orca anyway I think the gnomes, the little like garden gnome ones, uh, pop to it. Night of the Living Dummy. Probably, <laughs> yes, yeah, that was the, the number slappy, two. Yeah, the slappy ones. Yeah, that or, was. I was think that was. I think the. I think the vent, the ventriloquist dummy was like a focal point of the Jack Black movie. Oh yeah, yeah. that's funny. Or there's two movies. I think. Yeah, there's two movies now. I don't know. If, I never saw either one. So, but I hear they're good. I hear they're fun. I, I, I hear they're tolerable. <laughs> 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 but That's also, funny. Jack Black, please come on the pod. Yeah, please. So anyway, you finish your you would finish your work. School is boring to you. What cut you off? Keep going. Um, just yeah, it was just boring to me, and um, I just would get frustrated at the fact of like busy work is the devil. Like mm. I I learned that real like early on, and I was able to realize that like, oh, you're literally giving me this because you don't know what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like real infuriated like by it. Yeah. Like and homework didn't make sense to me. I was like, what's the point? Like I'm going to school to learn. Like we could just do this here. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do this at home. Like it makes no sense. So like all these like little quirks and stuff like made me early on hate the school system. Mm-hmm. And then um just my school life in general, I was pretty like anti-school <laughs> but it which just sounds intense but it's just because like I grew up in like like Montbello and like Green Valley Ranch area and like our school systems DPS in general is just kind of it's rough it's rough on these kids yes, and like my uh, partner she's a teacher mm-hmm. and so like why like that was just like a whole nother thing on top of me where I'm like I'm watching it happen in real time again after I've already been out of it for so long but it's just like they don't care um a lot of the systems in place don't care about the kids they care about the money yeah and um like even my during the pandemic uh, my partner her her school got closed down during the pandemic and the only they didn't have no real reason it was like because the school doesn't make enough money like what does that mean the school doesn't make enough money like you're tripping like where are all these kids supposed to go so like stuff like that yeah. makes me go 
no, 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 no. But so I was like, nope, hate school. But I did my best, went to high school and stuff. And even in high school, I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. Um, I'm just like, I'm not going to drop out. But like, am I going to go to college? Like, that makes no sense to me mm -hmm. at all. Like, I was like, really just trying to graduate always. It was like any kind of, it was like, let's get out of elementary. Let's get out of middle school. Let's get out of high school. Mm -hmm. Like, the goal was always to just get through it. And, um, I didn't think I was going to go to college, but I ended up going to um, CCA, Community College of Aurora. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I went is because when I was in high school, they had this program called Fast College, Fast Jobs. And it was like so you could get like college credit early while you were in high school. Uh -huh. And like I took a theater class um, in, in that program and they took us to um, Community College of Aurora to go see a theater show. And I was like okay, like, let's go check this out. Like, this is going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. And I went to, you know, CCA, and we went to go see the show called, um, was it Anonymous? I think it was Anonymous, mm -hmm. and uh, which is an original show and stuff that they put together. And on stage was this guy. His name was Martel Harding, <laughs> and he's a black dude. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen someone that looked like me as a main character on stage, like, linked up with, like, this beautiful white-haired girl, and like I was like losing my mind. Like mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the audience and like crying because I was like, "Yo, like someone is doing art and stuff that looks like me." Because mm -hmm. like growing up, it's like if you're not doing something like nine to five, then it's like you better play some kind of ball. Yeah. Like it's like football, basketball. Like you better be good at something mm -hmm. sports related. And like I hated all of it. <laughs> I hated. I hated it all. I played tennis, which is surprising always to everybody. It's like you played tennis. I was like, yeah, I played tennis. I was good at it. Like How's I was backhand. Good, great. <laughs> I was number one singles on my tennis team in high school. I was Hell the captain yeah. of my tennis team. Um, we were second in state in my summer league. Like we we were out here for yeah. like we was a black boys playing tennis like and we and we were shaking the world because people kept looking at us at all those country clubs like what the hell are you doing here and we'd be like to play tennis <laughs> so you know uh, East Side summer yeah East Side summer tennis we used to play right at the courts of Montbello during the summer mm -hmm. it was crazy like so I just like had a lot of different background of all kinds of stuff um which is like rambling and ranting but like mm -hmm. yeah it's just um it's a lot like it's yeah. a lot like i've just been in all kinds of different worlds and seen the way the world treats people and like to see an artist on stage of color that looks like me yeah. especially in that prime age of like i knew i wanted to be an artist there was no i never fleeted from where i was like third grade that's it that mm -hmm. was my choice and um but it was just cool to see it in action, to see that, like, I can be the lead mm -hmm. in something or, like, I can be with this beautiful girl, you yeah. know, you know, it's something. It, like, changed my world up. It, like, blew my mind. Does that, I, I would assume, does that echo with you even now as you're carving out your own career? Are you cognizant of what a random performance could mean to somebody in the audience if they see you on stage? Yeah. When um, they see you on yeah, stage? Yeah, I, um, because I, before theater, I was doing slam poetry a lot. Like, I grew up just write. I still write. Like, I write a ton. Like, I mm -hmm. grew up writing creative short stories and stuff. I have, like, this giant folder from elementary school of, like, all these random short stories. It's like Sonic the Hedgehog versus Raphael. Like, crazy stuff. Where it's like, what, what was not I not in the writing? same universe, Yeah, it's James. like, not at all. I was the multiverse before <laughs> the multiverse happened. So, <laughs> so, it was just crazy stuff like that. But I was just always writing and uh, just trying to, like... 
I don't know, just put all these different worlds and things together, you know? But, um, yeah, I found, I found on really early that, like, what I do makes a difference, even in, mm. even in little small ways of, like, different performances or even slam poems of, like, I did, and somebody would come up to me after and be like, yo, like, I haven't thought about this memory or whatever since, like, I was a kid or, you know, stuff like that. Like, people would always talk to me, and, like, I have, I don't know what you would call it, but, like, people come up to me, like, random people, mm -hmm. like, even just in real life, like, where I give off this energy, I guess, of, like, um, I'm, I'm, people can talk to me, and that's mm -hmm. real, because I talk to just about anybody. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me. But I've been in a lot of situations where somebody will come up to me and just tell their life story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm just sitting. Like, I could be sitting, just drinking, doing whatever, or just chilling on a bench. And, like, I, I remember in a park once I was walking, and, like, this lady was like, my husband beats me. And I was, like, by myself, like, in the park, like, on this bridge, and she just, like, I don't know if she just meant to say it out loud or what. And I go, and I remember being like, um, and how does that make, like, I was like, and how does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Because I was like, obviously this lady needs to talk. And I was like, how does this make you feel? And then she started going off about, like, you know, her relationship and all this other stuff. And I tried to give her a little bit of advice of, like, if you can run or if you know somebody that you can be close to and, like, get away, like, get away. Like, you're loved, like, and it was, and, and loved and stuff like that. And it started to rain. Like, mm -hmm. it started to like pouring rain and stuff. And she was like, thank you. Like, thank you so much. Like I have to do something. I have to do something. I never saw her again. So I have a lot of moments like that oh, where I just meet people that like change me for the yeah. better. And like, hopefully I change them in some way too. But like art is, a, um, it's essential. It's essential because mm -hmm. like, even in high school and stuff, like I was always known as like, I was funny. I did slam poetry and like, I played tennis. Like it was like, I had all these different traits and stuff, but it was like, no one did theater. Like theater was like non-existent, mm -hmm. which is the main topic of the question you asked me. But, <laughs> I'm swinging back to, um, it's like, yeah. Um, theater was non-existent. Theater didn't exist. Um, and like it did, like in high school, I the first show I was ever in was Rent. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which was wild to me because I was like, oh, God, it's a musical. And it's like talking about heavy topics and stuff in high school. And I was Tom Collins. Yeah, I was Tom Collins. So that was wild singing songs and stuff. And mm. I remember my grandpa even being like, what is happening? Like you're in love, <laughs> you know, with Angel and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, grandpa's acting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so things are crazy. But, um, but, you know, old folks, they're like, what's going on? Yeah. This is craziness. Um, but, um, yeah, it was my first show. And, um from that I was like okay cool like this is happening and I did some other show called um I hate Shakespeare which was just like a parody madness of like all the Shakespeare plays which was fun to me because like uh I hate Shakespeare that's fun to say out loud mm. I, I I don't enjoy it at all that's I, yeah I uh I, I did a monologue <laughs> from that play oh did you really yeah. That's for the Denver funny. Center auditions, the generals this last time. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, it's, so it's, it's funny that you bring that up. <laughs> Do you? I, I I am intrigued by this this ability you acknowledge within yourself. This forgive me that the parlance here, like this 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 magnetic field. Mm -hmm. Are you are you open to these encounters that that people seem to like seek with you, or is it something that you had to grow into? I'm an X-Man. No, I'm just kidding. I would never be an X-Man. I'd be the Brotherhood of Mutants. That's real. Oh, man. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd run with Magneto. He makes more sense to me. 
Professor Xavier man. is wild. Uh, man. Like it, it, Professor so Xavier. You are like by sense. you are like by any means necessary. <laughs> I, I, I am going to I'm going to uh, put the White House inside of Jack Kent Cut Stadium. By the way, <laughs> Jack Kent Cut is not a good person, so it's fine that we're doing that. That's fine. But I'm just saying. Yeah, I I would. But because of the tangent yeah tangent yeah. of like of we're gonna we're gonna circle back we're, to we'll this circle magneto back we'll circle back but the tangent is because magneto everyone's gonna be like magneto was right <laughs> like it starts screaming They're gonna hey dude scream it's people that podcast. agree with thanos so, oh yeah I mean, that's craziness i i wouldn't say that on our podcast but you know i mean he's got some ideas which are he does. wild. He does. Which are wild ideas. Listen, maybe 20 years ago, I probably would have said Thanos is wrong. <laughs> now? Yeah, you're like, ah, I don't know. Might be too many people. But, anyway. But, yeah. No, <laughs> was cool. I just, but I think it's just because of the freedom of, like, being a person of color and, like, growing up in a black man in America, specifically, especially, it's hard. Like, every moment of my life is ridiculous. Mm. And, like, <clears throat> like when you're saying like am I this magnetic magnetic field of, of if I'm open to these encounters yeah I, it's like I, I am I, I found like kind of like a happy medium boundary mm-hmm. um when I got older but like I was I was open to the encounters because a lot of my original account, encounters growing up and stuff were filled with like disgust mm-hmm. and like hate and stuff and like people not wanting to date me and crazy stuff because it's because of the color of my skin. Mm. Like I can't tell you how many times like I've had like tried to you know just be intimate with someone or whatever, and they're like they get into it, and then they're actually like I actually know I can't because they have to think about the rest of their life and like mm. what it would be like with me in their life and the way their family would treat them. And I literally had someone tell me once where she was like, I would, but like my family is awful. Like they're awful, and I and she was like, I can admit that I can't deal with the pressure of like having you in my life you know so like my encounters growing up with stuff like that of like me hating my own skin because I was like how am I supposed to live how am I supposed to survive how am I supposed to do anything I want to do because the first thing people see is I'm just a black man they don't care about the art they don't care about anything they just look at me and automatically are just like upset and like I'm a bigger dude too and like when I was growing up, my parents used to tell me, you got three strikes against you. You're a man, you're black, and you're also bigger than everybody. So people are afraid of you. Mm-hmm. It was, like, already instilled in me at a young age of, like, people are afraid of me. And, like, I didn't believe it at first. I tried not to believe it because I'm like, that's just that's just jokes. Everything yeah. is just jokes. Like, they, my parents don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy stuff like that. But then it's like you get out into the real world and you try to make friends and stuff. And, like, literally people will be like, you can't come to my house. And you're like, what? And it's like, nah, everybody else could come. And you can't come. And then you sit there with that reality of, like, oh, man. This is real. Like, this is real, you know, and I learned that super early. Um, And I wrote a poem once that was like, the line was like, it's not I love you, it's always be careful in my household. It's like, they did, they told us they love us, but, but it was like this sense of like, Danger. Every everything is dangerous. Once you leave these doors, it's danger. Everything is dangerous. And so, yeah, it's just like, yeah, this magnetic field, I, I opened it up. I let it um, just be super open because I just wanted people to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then, two, I don't know what those people are going through. 
Like those those people, obviously, they need somebody yeah. to just talk to, even if it's just for three minutes, just to say what they're thinking. If if that can help somebody along the way on their journey, then then so be it. You know, mm-hmm. then why why not? Like why why not let those people get a a sense of just like um, some relaxation? Because I feel like a lot of people who don't have a lot of people to talk to just deal with a lot of trauma and stuff, and mm-hmm. they're just real closed in and. And, and tight and they just don't know how to release nothing so that little moment of release even if it is some random person mm-hmm. talking to you at a bar they might have just needed it as long as it's not too crazy and they're just talking you know yeah. you still you know keep your boundaries and protect yourself and stuff like that I'm not telling nobody to do that but like if somebody's talking to you they, they might just need to talk Yeah, you just have to think about it sometimes because you just don't know where somebody's coming from Definitely, you know yeah. which is like I hope I covered the basis I don't know that's wild <laughs> yeah no I mean that's it's such a, it's such, uh, it's such an unfair and singular journey. It feels like you mm-hmm. know. I mean, it's, it is something extremely different to hear "I love you" in the home all the time. But like, you get out of the car to start your day at school. You get you get out of the house to go meet up the bus or mm-hmm. walk to school. And the last thing is that said to you is be careful, mm-hmm. and you got to hear that every day. every day. And it and it, it just it just there's a different weight to it. Mm-hmm. What you just described to me is a different weight than what my mom would have said to me mm-hmm. if she told me to be careful. Mm-hmm. And I, I am I am the benefit of being racially ambiguous to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Like I can walk into a room and they will see a, a, a white guy with long hair, right? And I can. That that same racial ambiguity, which would cost me relationships as I got older with other Native Americans, mm. is also the thing now that like gets you know doors locked in front of me and purses adjusted to the other side. Right. I mean, the beard doesn't help, but it's also like these types of my beard. Your beard is amazing. Oh, you're wild. I want to make sure I'm being spe- <laughs> specific there, but like. Those types of things, for me, often make me get more reclusive. Mm. And then through all of that, these personal experiences you've experienced, you've made the conscious choice, it seems like, to create space when it's right for you to be open to these types of encounters. And mm. that's, I mean, that's, that's special. And it shows, I think, what you describe that they see in you, I think that comes through as the truth when you when you when you when you describe making that choice mm. so i mean kudos always feels like a, a weird word to say but like that's that's really special of you mm. and and i know for a fact while i think i have encounter conversations like that sometimes it's taxing and sometimes like i i am going through my own shit that i don't really want to hear about what you're carrying but then you you do anyway because I do anyway because I'm like I don't want to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the most altruistic choice, but that's where I'm like oh, I don't want to be an asshole right now. That's mm-hmm. going to make me feel worse than me just you know, for sure, just telling them no. Yeah, just yeah. sitting. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Do you feel then that that open choice, the choice to be more open, does that influence your performance work? Uh, it does. It does. The the choice to be open has moved me in, in many ways because I'm a lot more open to breaking like the standard norms 
of like theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I got into immersive mm-hmm. super hard is because a lot of people are scared of it. They don't know what to do with it. Like you, I'm put, one of them. Yeah, you know, they, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And um, I don't blame you because it's like we're taught to this is the stage. You know, you got stage left, stage right, downstage, mm-hmm. upstage, and your audience is stuck out there. Mm-hmm. And when you open up the immersive bubble where it's like people are interacting with you at all times, people are doing whatever they want in some shows, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these different linear stories. It's like playing a video game. It's, mm-hmm. like, super hardcore, super intense. Like, it, not everyone can handle that. And it takes, like, certain, like, <laughs> it takes a special group of people to be, like, I'm just down for whatever and also be able to just be open and fluid. Like, you can't do that type of work without being open. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't be able to do my career at all, like, from the beginning of it without being open. Like, mm-hmm. I've gained a lot of opportunities and uh opened a lot of doors for myself and just like other people in the community of just trying to teach them to be open and like in my class um uh devising theater and stuff at metro that was like one of the first things we taught them was like you have to be open Mm -hmm. like you have like and it's like i'm not telling you to come in here and and tell you my life story and stuff like that. I'm not going to tell you mine. You don't have to tell me yours, but like the work that we're going to do and Mm -hmm. the things that we are going to create together, like you have to leave everything at the door and you just have to be ready to explore. Mm -hmm. And like, if we got to cry together, we'll cry together. If we got to scream together, we'll scream together. But as long as we get that product and it's something that's real, Mm -hmm. like not the BS that like, you know, you do in a lot of classes where it's like, yeah, feel this or feel like you're you're happy and walk around in this circle and like think of this moment and stuff like that. It's like, nah, like mm. that's cool, but like, no, tell me what truly makes you tick. Like, truly, what makes you feel upset in the morning when you wake up? Do you not feel okay today? Do you not want to participate today? That is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna make you participate mm-hmm. if you're not feeling it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna force anyone to do anything. Yeah. Like, but just have the ability to be open with people and talk to them as, as people, because that's, that's the issue too, is like people pretend like we walk around all day, every day and everybody's pretending, Mm -hmm. you know, they got a face on to get through their job or, you know, got a face on to deal with their kids, whatever. Everybody's got a face on and then they go home and cry about it or Mm -hmm. they go home and post about it online and in unhealthy ways Mm -hmm. or make memes about it, whatever they got to do. But Mm -hmm. like, like it's it's unhealthy. Like yeah. if everybody was just truly honest and like this is how you feel about this, cool, tell me about it. Like things would be a lot smoother. Like it'd be, you know, I feel like there'd be a lot less fights and stuff. There actually there'd be more fights because people would be like, What? What'd you yeah. just say? But it's like I'm being honest with you, like I'm telling you the truth. So like ten years down the line, when somebody runs around and tells you, Hey, actually I don't love you, which is extreme. This is an extreme example. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you don't love me, James? But like, you know, Damn. Ah, this is hurts. This to is say. a terrible way to find yeah, out. Yeah, so close. So anyway, close to hope. You're, I interrupted. <laughs> no, you're good. But just like, you know, that that situation, just those types of things where it's like people people hold stuff in and then it comes out the worst possible time in their life. Cause it's like, well, I finally told you. Oh, 10 years too late. Like we're married, <laughs> we got kids. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. you could have told me on the altar, like, yo, I don't love you. We could have been like, hey, sight, enjoy the refreshments. Like, have a good day. We'll actually dance together because she told me the truth or he told me the truth. Hell, don't matter. Well, I think there's like, something I, I think you're absolutely right. There's like there's this piece though that I think being honest and not taking things personally. Yeah. Being open to the fact that people live their life with their choices and it's their it's their, it's their thing choice, that they're yeah. carrying it is 
it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And so if then I allow space for that person to be honest with me and be like, I don't want to participate in your game today, but cool, I got I got other people I gotta yeah, worry about. I got other people. Thanks. So. We'll we'll get you circled in later later in the day if you feel like it's cool or maybe next class. Mm-hmm. Do you find with your teaching now any of any of your experiences in the public education system with your partner being relayed back to you, like kind of molding, shifting the way you teach? Or is it different because it is at the collegiate level and you're working with predominantly adults? Um, nah, it's the same. Cause, uh, <laughs> it's, at least for me, for me, it's the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I was teaching middle school or, or the college, because I told him the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I usually walk in the room and I'm kind of like, I know some of y'all, I usually open it or like in the middle school format. I was like, I know half of you don't want to be here. Cause it's like an after school program type deal. Mm-hmm. Like half of you don't want to be here. But I was like, cool, I understand. Like, yeah. I'm not going to force you to play improv games. Mm-hmm. But if you have any suggestions of, like, what you want to do or what you want to talk about. Because I had plenty of days where um, those students were like, I'm dealing with this at home. Mm-hmm. I can't think about no improv game. Like, <laughs> and I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to talk about what's going on at home? And then usually it ended up to be in a whole discussion with the whole class about all their stuff going on at home. Nice. But like, um, yeah, it's it's all the same. It's all the same. It's the same format for me of just like be open, be free, and do what you want to do. And usually I say preface that like everything you learned before me, I don't care. Mm. which is intense. It's it's kind of scary. It's really intense, but it's like everything you learned before this class, I could care less. Yeah. Don't bring that in. Yeah, here. don't bring it in mm-hmm. here. Don't bring it in here. Cuz like, yeah, you're going to need some of it, but like all the stuff that's like the 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 foundations and the structures cuz people get stuck. They they're like, "Well, I yeah. learned this and this is the way it's supposed to be done." Mm-hmm. And then when you tell someone truly to do what they want to do, they freak out. Mhm. They freak out and they go, what do you mean? Because that's what my students did when we were like, you can do whatever you want in this class. And they were like, what? Like, what does that mean? Like, what? do whatever I want. And I'm like, whatever you decide that you want to create, we will attempt it and we will mold it. And then we will work as a class to like make it better. But like, we can do whatever we want in here. Mm-hmm. Flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. They the first day they didn't know what to do. They <laughs> thought we were nuts. They they thought we were nuts. They were looking at us like, what did I sign up for? Like, what class did I sign up for? Because like the freedom, mm-hmm. the freedom. We're, we we live on nine to fives. We live on. I have to wake up here and I have to go to bed here. Mm-hmm. Like we wake up telling people that our dreams and stuff do not matter. Yeah. We, we that that's not going to make you enough money. Mm-hmm. How are you going to live like that? We got taxes. We got you know the the list goes on and on and on. So people get stuck. I've watched plenty of people that I've grown up with who have dreams. More people that are talented than me, more talented than me, more talented than than anybody I've ever seen who got stuck, mm-hmm. who got trapped, and and they're unhappy and they are very upset. And there's like nothing you can do about it. You know, you can try to give people all the um, all the resources in the world to do what they want to do. But at the end of the day, like we said, the, the biggest your enemy, the biggest enemy is yourself. Yeah. 
because it's scary. It's scary to jump out on a ledge and be like, hey, I'm going to be a full-time performer. Mm -hmm. You know, that's terrifying. It's terrifying for anybody. Um, And it's hard to do. It's not a it's not an easy feat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I went through many a jobs of like trying to please my parents and please everybody around me so I could make money or try to get health insurance and stuff like that. Yeah. And I hated it. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I worked at UPS for a year You at the airport for a year, oh, a man. whole year breaking my back. I used to. um uh, work on the ball mat so it's like outside on, um it's got a bunch of like wheels and balls and stuff on yeah. it and um there was like 10 doors there was 10 doors and the big planes would come with all these packages mm-hmm. and the containers would come and the containers were a thousand pound containers containers that are just huge huge and we'd have to unhook every container and push manually those containers onto that door and lock the container in, and then you knock on it, and somebody inside empties the packages. And if there's not enough people, you got to go in there and empty the container that you just hooked up, pushed up on that door and lock in. And Hell I did no. that in a, for a year Hell no. with all the weather because it's like you're yeah, outside, yeah. so snow, rain, it don't matter. Uh-huh. You, UPS goes. Like, uh-huh. we're working. And to live in an environment where – you know, I'm doing it because I need health insurance. My mm-hmm. brain was like, I need health insurance. I'm trying to make my mom happy. I'm trying to make everybody happy. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But then when I got to a point where everyone who worked on the ball mat with me, I went through like six six other co-people. Co oh, yeah. Next High week, gone. They were High just turnover. gone. Yeah. Gone. I, I was the only person that stayed there. And I, so I get to a point where, you know, I asked my manager, I say, um, I've been here a year. Can I go inside? Like, 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 like on some slavery shit, you know, like, like, on, like, like on some slavery shit. Hey, can, hey, that's yeah. kind of like, can I go inside? Like, can, can I stop being outside? Please? Like, please put me in the house, put me in the house. And she looked at me, she looked at me and said, um, yeah, like, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Right. We'll figure it out. So I'm thinking, and she was cool. So I was like, I'm not not her. She got to do her job. But I was like, uh, okay, cool. So I, you know, I went a couple more days. Got a new person next to me, you know, in the rain, pushing them cans. And I asked my manager again. I go, hey, you know, any luck on trying to get me inside? She said, we're look, we're working on it. We're working on it. A week goes by. I finally go, my brain's like, I'm not getting inside. I'm not getting inside. And and what the real kicker was is one of the drivers, he said, you're trying to get inside? Like, he stopped me once. And he was an old head. Um, mm-hmm. And he'd been working there for uh, old head definition. People who've been working at UPS or just they're older than you by, yeah. like, 30 to 40 years. And who've been working at UPS for a long time. Uh, he looks at me and he goes, you trying to get inside? I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get inside. He started laughing at me. <laughs> He laughed in my face. He laughed in my face. Talking about you trying to get inside. He said, everybody starts at the ball mat. And he said, nobody leaves the ball mat unless you get injured or somebody switches you from inside. And ain't nobody going to switch you from inside because this is the hardest job at this facility. And I was like, bet I quit. And so once I finished my shift, I literally looked at my old manager, not even the manager I was talking to about (laughs) about trying to switch switch places. I told him, hey, man, here's my keys. Here's my badge, all that stuff. Um, Hope you survive on the inside. And we laughed together. And he was like, be free, my brother. Be free. And I left. I left. And and that was the moment. 
I decided to do uh, perform in full time. Mm. Like there was no like, I was like I gung ho. That was like what three, three, almost three and a half years ago or something. Um, I yeah, I decided to be full-time performer mm. and from that moment like it was like the universe spoke to me yeah. and it helped me out and it was like oh you're truly dedicated to the craft again like not listening to everybody else around you job after job after job after job gig after gig after gig after gig yeah. i never stopped working after i quit UPS. Yeah. i've been flourishing ever since i'll tell you i made the, i made that call late late december of this last year in 2021 and I was like, I need to get out of this. This mm-hmm. this day, this public school job is amazing. I know I can do it. Yeah. I know I can I can do the job well. But when I come home, I got nothing left. I got yeah. nothing left for anything. You're done. And eventually, something's gonna have to qu- get get quit. Yeah. And I know me up these last thirty eight years, I've done the practical thing. Mm. Keep the insurance. Keep the roof over your head. Yeah. Practicality. The practicality. Always. Always. It's me. Always. And I was just like. Can't do that. Can't do it. No I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, I'm not miserable. Like when you come home and lie down on your couch at 5:30 and you black out and you haven't had a touch of liquor, you hadn't had a touch of any substance, yeah. and you like I I lost nights. I would come home, oh. take my dog out, feed him, sit on the couch, and mm. I'd wake up at 10, yeah. unaware of what happened for the last mm. five hours. Jesus, I'm like I don't know what's going on, and I just knew it was, and and. And coming out of the pandemic where you had no structure to your life, basically, oh. like, and we're still in that shit. And now we got monkeypox. So wear your masks. <laughs> um, we got, like, I just, I couldn't, like, schedules, scheduling was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. And so I just made the decisions, like, universe, you got to get me out of here. You got to yeah. get me out of this job. I don't care how fast it happens. You got to get me out of here because when June comes, I'm out and I won't come back. Hmm. And, a week later, I got an email, got the job. And ever since then, I've, I've, I've turned down more work mm. than I've accepted. Hey, because right. it's like I, I now know what I need to do in order to make ends meet. And if you can't come close to it, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I wish you nothing but success. But, but I'm, I am the job now. You are the job. And you're open to it. Yeah. You so are open to it. It's our time now. James going to get a hell yes? Hell yes. It is our time, Dan. <laughs> Slaunch, everyone. Boop. Boop. Mm. It's your time. That little break was brought to you by Jameson's Cold Brew. <laughs> It's very tasty. Sponsors. Sponsors. The unofficial sponsor for today's episode. Exactly. Um, I want to want to make a comment about old heads real fast. Mm-hmm. I I've had that exchange many a time. <laughs> I love that when I talk to somebody who's older than me doing the same job I've been doing, and the first response to my complaint or my experience yeah. is a laugh in my face. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, yeah. Oh. Good God. Oh, yeah. no. Sometimes it's just coming from a place of bitterness and they're trying to bring you down. Yeah, sometimes. But then, but then there's other times where it's like coming from this real authentic place of like, I I know that feel. Yeah. You need to know. Get out, my man. Get out. Get out. Be free. Don't stay here. Do not stay here. Please it do is, not stay. You are Go. not going to be happy. You're yeah. just not going to be happy. Um, I was doing a job. But even for, I, I want to talk about shitty jobs here for a second. Yeah. You were yeah. describing out for there sure. on that ball rack. I was a... I was working at a brewery downtown oh. in Rhino, and that was a great job. Yeah. I love that job. But there was an aspect of the job that was extremely difficult, and it's, this is what brought it to my, my brain. I would clean kegs, and there were days where you'd have to hustle through, like, 
200 kegs in an eight-hour shift. You got to pump them out. And I was the best at it. I felt like I was the best at it. Yeah. I could pop them off. I would have everything set up, and I'm scrubbing, getting everything ready. I would have six pallets cleared in 10, 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. ready to get hooked up to the washer. And if you were really lucky, they would stack those pallets one on top of the other. So you got three pallets high kegs. So that's at least 12 feet in height. I'm I'm 6'2". I'm a pretty tall guy. Yeah, you're tall. I got to reach up <laughs> above my head, and I got to pull these kegs down off because there's no other way to bring them down. Oh, no. Because you can't use yeah. the forklift. You can't use the forklift to bring the top layer down. They won't let you. They're doing other stuff with those forklifts, so you don't get to use them. And I'm doing Waiting for Godot at the Arvada Center. Oh, I'm doing that job. Yeah. I threw my back out two weeks into the show. Oh, man. Because I'm pulling kegs off the top. Sometimes not empty kegs. Oh. So if you've ever lift, lifted a heavy keg, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. If you had a party, is this thing still full? Yeah. Yeah. No, you know it's full. And if it's still full and it's coming off the oh, top. Oh, no. This it's, that is not, it's not good. The first time, I wasn't prepared. Oh, no one no. told me that that was a possibility. That thing almost killed me. Anyway, sucky jobs suck. Yeah, you do. Don't put your health at risk just for the for the health insurance. Let me just say that. If you can. If you can. If you can. Unless it's your passion. I don't want to go down this whole road of right. like, well, I got to circumstantial. Yeah. I get it. I get it. We get it. Yeah. We've been we've yeah. been there before. Amazon. <laughs> ha. Ha. Yeah. Ha. Have well, fun. Hope we got an empty <laughs> bottle. But I, and got I hope you get there. unionized. <laughs> yeah. Hope you um, do. Anyway. This is this is this is an awesome journey. I'm really glad that you touched on this whole like I've got to. I'm just gonna put myself out there and mm-hmm. connect to this 100. percent And through that, you find the opportunities that are coming to you. You talked about your expectations of like if you don't want to be like not. I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounded like if you're not 100 percent about this, get find something else. Yeah, no, okay. that's that's real. That's how I feel. So how do you <laughs> how does that connect to your your process individually what does that look like for you are you constantly reading scripts are you constantly taking classes outside of what you're teaching um is it just the work and you're taking notes in that i stopped doing so yeah it 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 goes into play of like i I do check a lot of stuff where like because at first you know it's like everyone starts that way or it's like beginning of your career you're like i'm taking everything doesn't matter if it's 250 150 you know what i mean it doesn't matter 50 mm-hmm. bucks like whatever trying yep. to put your name out there Been doing there. whatever but i'm at a place now where i have to be you know picky and choosy i got a partner i got a dog like i got what's your dog um rio. rio rio is the best damn dog um i got i make the difference the world i the i seen your dog i love i love your dog yeah that's mike baby oh yeah like I finally yeah. changed my background cover. I don't oh, ever yes. do that. I, guess I get to see Rio now, everybody. You, you, you do. I love. I love. I love podcasts. We, we oh my the, god! My, look at Rio's face. My, my Maltese poodle. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so that, that boy is funny. He's got a whole personality. <laughs> uh, he is the best. Yes. Sleeps in everything. Um, you got responsibilities to take care. Yeah, of. Yeah, I got responsibilities. I got responsibilities to take care of. Mm-hmm. I gotta. You know, I, I'm trying to. <laughs> get a place to live all types of stuff everybody's everybody's doing what they gotta do but um so i can't just take everything anymore i can't just do uh willy-nilly whatever i want i gotta i gotta think about 
um, bigger and better things and and stuff that's gonna help me too mm-hmm. like and if I'm having fun there's all kinds of things like I don't really like to do um I call them slave plays I slave plays I don't like to do anything mm-hmm. that's like old like old as hell like it yeah. depends on it depends on the material and stuff but like what I mean audience about old as hell is just like there's a lot of times in my career where it's like oh, this play wants to do a show about black people, and then the only show they can find about black people requires us being, like, the help, slaves, whatever. We're struggling. And I'm like, we're in 2022. Like, if you're still pulling pulling up, like, Roots plays and stuff, like, get out of here. There's so many writers so many different plays out there that you could produce. But the Kentucky it, style's real good. Yeah, it dry, drives me insane. <laughs> I can't. Uh, a nut, what is it? Public service announcement. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird is the worst play in the history of plays. Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. Like, I do not care. Do not and, at me. And my reasoning, my yeah. reasoning, I will back it up. My reasoning that it's the worst play ever made is because, one, it's overused. Mm-hmm. It's overused. Anytime there is a situation where, um, oh, the world's in turmoil and races are, races are fighting against each other, let's put on to kill a fucking mockingbird. Yeah. So, and, and I'm like, okay, tell me what the play is about. Tell me what the play is about. Tell me what the play is about, Sam. Tell, tell me what the, um, the, 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 what's the play yeah, about. I'll tell you what the play is about. Yeah. So there's this girl named Scout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me. Um, she befriends a local person who's got some uh, neurodivergence issues mm-hmm. and um <laughs> that's real that's real her dad uh-huh. is the man by the name of atticus finch yeah atticus finch um connected to uh, the good old boys in his neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, and really kind of finds a struggle to walk the line between trying to be a better person and make peace with his we'll say down home sensibilities yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, that's good yeah i like and, this uh, i like this play and uh <laughs> And then he is um, called in to defend yeah. a, a a local local black man mm-hmm. because he is accused of mm-hmm. is it is it raping it is rape raping um, a, mm-hmm. a white lady a white lady yeah and mm-hmm. um, from there <laughs> um, he gets an amazing monologue uh, yes he does that uh, could have been awesome if given to the. Uh, the, the 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 black man in, yeah. the, in the play. If he had a like a monologue about defending himself, yeah, it would've been wild. Maybe he got to speak for himself. Maybe. I mean, Aaron Sorkin he re, he redid it, and Brian Cranston played Atticus Finch, and I'm sure it was awesome, but still kind of stuck Crazy. in the old, in the, in the in the in the mud, as it were. Yeah, you yeah. Know. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to to like like say you're wrong. James, I'm just saying <laughs> what the play's about. Oh yeah, no, yeah. that play is great. Yeah, and, and then, then from uh, don't they? Let me, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me, tell don't, me about it. Don't like they 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 don't treat they don't treat that black guy very well. Nah, nah. I think he ends up dying. Yeah, and and he ends up dying because his only way out because he's going to rot in prison yeah. is to die. Yeah. So he runs towards the fence knowing he's going to get shot. Oh, God. That's that's what that story is about, you know? Yeah. But, you know, that no, you're right. That's what the play is about. And then growing up and mm-hmm. having that be my freshman, the literature we're supposed to read freshman year and an all black, <laughs> like, all, like basically a black high school, yeah. like just people of color all over the place. We had mm-hmm. every race but white. 
in there. But we had white teachers, and that's the book that we're reading, and we have to talk about what this book is about mm -hmm. and why we're reading it. And I snapped. I remember I snapped. I told my teacher, I said, why why was this the book choice? I said, why was this the book choice mm. uh, that, that you want us to read? Like, what is this supposed to teach us? Mm. And she, she, got, she was flabbergasted. Didn't have an answer she for She didn't you. have an answer for me. I said, you don't know why you're teaching us this? <laughs> and she didn't know what to say to me. I said, because what is this book supposed to teach me? I said, what is this book supposed to teach me? I said, as a black dude, I said, and I looked at everybody in my class, and everybody thought I was being dramatic, being dramatic, but mm -hmm. I was like, as a black kid, freshman year in high school, I said, the only thing this book tells me is that it does not matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. No one will believe me. Yeah. And then I will rot away in prison for something I didn't do. And the only way for me to truly be free is death. Dumbest play <laughs> I've ever read for me. And for most, I, I would even say, if, if people are going to really read To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> and really looking at that damn book, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and to the, the, the support my point, old girl with Harper Lee, yeah. Harper Lee, what the hell did she write a second book for? Where Atticus Finch is a racist in that book. What does that say? There was a second there's book. There's a second. There's a second book. I forget what it's called, but she wrote it before she. She's still alive. She might pass. I don't know. We don't know. We'll look it up. I've got a but, producer. Yeah, we got a producer Harper for Lee. that. Harper Lee. Is Harper Lee passed away or or she's still running I'm, around? I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna she wrote say another she book. She wrote another book, and everybody was flipping shit because their beloved hero Atticus Finch in the second book is a racist. Isn't that some? Isn't that some shit? Like <laughs> how we get stuck. <laughs> Just like as a society, yeah, yeah. we get locked in to the idea of a person or a, ca a, fictional, a, yeah, character, a fictional character. Someone we will never be able to meet. Yeah. We get locked into the idea of this thing, and once it's established in our brain, we can't see it any you other way. And how dare you change it? How dare you? And people were hot. Oh, people yeah. were pissed. They were like, this second book doesn't exist. Like, yeah. it doesn't. It's not a thing. No. Because that man's a racist now. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal. Like, I remember when it came out, you know, people were wow. Same with, um, Rand, this is, yeah, another tangent, but it still connects. It's the same, same mess. Same mess. Because it's like, everybody wants to do all these old-ass plays. And people won't, they don't want to deal with how like low key how racist and stuff they are, they don't want to change. But mm -hmm. the guilt comes; it eats at you. It eats at you. Even the woman who, um, back in the day, I don't know if you ever heard about that. You know, you know Emmett Till. Everybody knows yeah. Emmett Till. Um, the woman he whistled at mm -hmm. that got him killed. She, you heard? Did you hear about that? Her on her deathbed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she her, recanted. Uh huh. She recanted yeah. and said <laughs> that he didn't do it because mm -hmm. she knew she. I mean. Whether you prescribe to, she could not go into that next phase of uh -huh. existence, existence with that, on, with on with her that evil on her shoulders. Yeah. yeah she yeah. had to let it go. Mm -hmm. She had to let it go. Yeah. And that's crazy. Frozen to me. before the musical. Frozen. Frozen. All that. You know, yeah. I just can't. Frozen before the musical. You're wild. <laughs> that's too funny. But just stuff like that, man. It's you, We have to change like the narrative of stuff like there's it just kills me mm -hmm. to do the same old shit over and over and over again mm -hmm. like why like cool like you know what i mean you've done mary poppins 15 times in a row you do it every season that's yeah. just an example but it's like you do it you do it every season for what 
I know the money, you, but you don't want to change. You want to stay in that old time, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, we have to kill that stuff. Like, that stuff needs to go away. There's too many plays. There's yeah. too many plays, too many musicals in the world that, like, need to be done, that mm-hmm. are more progressive. And they don't even have to be progressive. Like, we can... We can talk about stuff that happened before, but just pick something else to showcase that and get other people in the room. You know what I mean? Absolutely. This brings me to a a question I wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. um, before we sat down, which is, do you think it's important then that the people telling the stories mirror the people in their stories? I do. I do think it's important. But there's like... um, there's, I don't want to call it loopholes, because, like, for example, One Way Back Day. One Way Back Day, yeah. um, you wrote a beautiful piece, and you know, and, you're, and you were saying earlier before off air that we were coming from a place of, like, good, you were coming from a place of Native American. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where you were writing from, the perspective. And then, like, me as a black man, I was performing and reading that piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, how does that correlate or is that wrong? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's, like, two different people's perspective. But at the same time, in my brain, whether people want to believe it or not, if you got some melanin in your skin and and like in this day and age and in this country alone, we're together. Mm. Like we're together. We're like, yes, we go through different experiences on some level, but sometimes they're about the same. Yeah. They're truly about the same. Absolutely. I wish I remembered. Uh, my dad reads a lot of history books. Mm. Uh, a lot of he, he just likes history and stuff like that. And there was this book about, um, about like Mexican Americans and Black Americans being just cultivated in history from the same goddamn place, and, and it was like deep, and they had the the, the facts and the stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you walked up to somebody and was like, "Me and you are the same," they might have a goddamn fit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They'll lose their mind. Yeah. They'll, they'll be like, "No, we're not." Blah blah blah. You know, and you get into a fight over that stuff. You but can't tell. You can't, you can't tell somebody that. You like there are people I know. Like I've had conversations with people who. Ref, white people who refuse to accept oh. that the cradle of civilization is in Africa. Oh yeah, no, you, like they'll the Tigris and Euphrates, flip a like table. They'll flip Mesopotamia. A table yeah, that's where it all started. Yeah, exactly. Where where you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tread lightly. Yeah. Where, where you believe God comes from? Yeah. Is right up in there. That's where he started. Yeah. The idea of that person thing. Yeah. Jesus started there. Uh, I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a theologian. But moving right along. Yeah, but just yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Like it's just people don't believe in a lot of stuff. But when it comes to um, performing and bringing in those stories, yeah, it should be done by like if it's like someone just coming from a black man's perspective. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, you need a black man reading that monologue. Like yeah. that's it is what it is. And I'm sick of the bullshit of just um, well, we can't find any. Yeah. We can't find any. Well, if you don't put in the work to find the people to read the characters that are supposed to be trade don't in that light, then don't do that story. Yeah, you're you're just asking for it. Like you're just asking yeah. for trouble. Like, and I'm like, and I don't care. I I have no sympathy, like for the wrath that comes down when you try to do an all black show and everybody's white, mm-hmm. which happens time and time again out here in Colorado and in the rest of the world it happens mm-hmm. and people still just look like well that was beautiful that was that was great that was the greatest thing mm-hmm. i've ever seen like and you're like oh bet like yeah that white boy talking like he's from fucking louisiana yeah. 
like that he grew up with cornbread and <laughs> y'all this other shit. Like, yeah, crazy. The best performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, like, so good right now. So good. Give him, give him something. So hot right give now. Give him a Tony. Yeah. Give him two Tonys for that. Is his name Tony? Like, I mean, shoot. Yeah. You give him like, the trifecta. Then. Yeah. Give him something. But He's like the best Tony. The best Tony he gets around. Two Tonys. But people are wild. Yeah. It, you know, they don't care. A lot of people don't care about that shit. But it matters. Yeah. It really well, does matter. It, really, uh, you're, it feels like your your entire career begins in this this moment of self actualization as you see that black man on stage when you're going to college yeah. or on like in the in between you're still yeah. in high school. I was, going, I was going about to go into college. The the experiences you've had, the family relationship, the the knowledge that the wisdom that had to be imparted upon you as you go out there into your day, what you've experienced personally. Mm-hmm. To say that, that 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 alone is something that only you've experienced is ludicrous. Yeah. But happens it, a lot. You have you are connected to a specific life story that makes you the best to tell stories of that experience mm-hmm. along those lines that are bred or born from that, sp- yeah, that space. For sure. When like I'm I'm I am anxious and very nervous uh-huh. to see what Steven Spielberg and uh, Tony Kushner do with the color purple. This is new film that's coming out. I even know that was happening. Yeah, that's yeah. scary. I mean, there, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Steven directed the original production. I think so. Yeah, yeah and it was and, and and it was beautiful. But there's, I mean, like, uh, Denzel Washington said, like, I mean, uh, he had this experience where he's like, it's culture. Yeah, it's I culture. direct. I'm directing fences mm-hmm. because of culture. my culture. The culture. Steven could probably do a great job with the story. But it's not going to be the same because, because it's, not his it's not his culture. Exactly. So I mean, it, it, so there, there's a part of me that's like, maybe this movie is going to be amazing, but there'll be that one little piece that might be missed because, because there's not the culture. Yeah. There's 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 a life experience. It, it's it is such an interesting topic because it is this idea of like who can tell which stories, and I'm. The, the the counter argument I heard and what inspired me to ask you the yeah. same question I'd was like that if you're going to tell this story, exactly, it's got to be perfect. Mm. You cannot screw up any aspect of it, any historical aspect of it. If it's related to a real life moment in history, yeah, you can't mess up on any of the you know the background pieces to establish the time, the culture. You you've got to know. Like the back of your hand, absolutely everything that goes on in the world of that story that's not even in the script. So I've got the script right, yeah, and that sets a place and time or whatever. Right, but you need to know and everything. You know everything else. I would and, say hell yeah, yeah. And you got to be and, and you got to be open to the criticism that this is going to blow up in my face, no matter mm-hmm. how hard I work on it. Yeah. So the the, yes, the one guest that we had that had a counter argument mm-hmm. that was different, I think, from most of the other counter arguments was. Why are you telling this and who are you telling it to? If you want to tell a piece of, if you want to tell a story and you want it to land with a group of people mm-hmm. and you want to tell, if you want to get them to understand it and you bring an all black cast into a racist uh, town, yeah, they, they're going, they're not going to take it. So his argument was 
you get white people to tell this story because that's the only way those people are going to connect to it. And the only reason to tell a story is to connect with people. That was that was a different a different uh, thing, but that was that was someone's uh, yeah. take on that. That's terrifying to me. That's yeah. like that's so silly. Like I get it. I truly that makes mad sense. Like on paper in reality, I get it. Like that makes mad sense. But also that's like that's super sad. Like, how sad is that? That it's like, you really, the only way I'm going to be able to understand, like, racism is if another white person performs it for me and shows me that's wrong. Oh, cool. We can bring it back. <laughs> Flipping X-Men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was telling my partner this the other day. That I literally was like, I get so annoyed at people who are like, they can look at, something as simple as X-Men mm. and like how, you know, how people get mutants get treated crazy in the X-Men universe by humans. You know, if you don't got powers, mm. they're like, yo, cast them away, kill them, move them to a whole nother island. Like people mm. of color. And I go, how can people read a comic like X-Men and go, God, ugh, those mutants, they're being treated wrong. Like, that they're just they're being just discriminated against and all this other shit. But then in real life, when it's happening to real people around them, they're like, nah, nah. It's amazing when the suspension of disbelief kicks in for some people. Yeah, like no, no, that just happens to all of us. Like Be it's whatever. And and the reason why it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about when we have an idea of a person, yeah, and their you life, you can't do it. You cannot disrupt what I think it is because doing that shakes up my entire foundation on the life that I've made. Mm -hmm. There are people in this world who cannot be wrong because if they are wrong, that's just it. That's it. Then then they got to then their whole life is their like whole life shambles. is ruined. Yeah. Their whole life is ruined. Everything they've, they they've been living is, on a lie yeah. and they can't accept that. They can't handle it. There's there's that there's that play. I mean I have that about some things. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that I'm I'm a critical enough thinker that in the moment I'll be a little bit inconsolable to find out that like, oh, please don't let this be the case. But like Jerry Rice was a philanderer. Mm -hmm. I love Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, I really hope that doesn't come out because I love you like a son of a gun. I love the story of you, your dad throwing bricks up to you while you're helping him in the summer. Like, those stories like really inspired me, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I I wish I could be Jerry Rice. It would crush me, but then in like I would hope in the 24 hours to be like, oh, got to get rid of all of his rookie cards, I guess. Sell them sits. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that maybe that's an excessive response. I can like, well, it's it's, and then you start making moral value charts and like, well, what can I tolerate? Yeah, and a lot what of people tolerate, and what that's tolerate? and I think that and it goes back to then being the the sadness of like how do I process information? Mm -hmm. I can only accept it when it's coming from people that look like me. Yeah, because if it came from anyone that didn't, I would think it's too preachy. I would think that they're trying to hammer something over the head, like like I'm too stupid to figure yeah, it out on my own. Exactly. Well, up to this point, some of you have been. Yeah. That's a damn shame. It is a damn shame. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. That's a good counterpoint. Though. That's wild. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it was. It was. It was. It was a fun conversation. What about Harper Lee? Died in 2016. Thank you. Cool. Mm. 
Awesome. Not that you're dead, but just like wow. <laughs> but just just that it's like yeah, this person passed, and they wrote that like because I gotta figure out when that book came out. I forget what 60s. that book is called. This when does that book came out? The sixties. The, the follow up. To Kill Mockingbird came out in the sixties. Okay, when did the second book come out? That other book, I forget what's called. Sorry, I, we got I didn't you know doing which work. Of, which yeah, of I don't know the title. Follow up. Um, if you I say it, I'll figure it but out. But she was 90. When she, she passed. The, yeah. Yeah, it was like the last one, the last thing she wrote. I know that, though. I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a little bit of this uh, Jameson cold brew in my cup, and I'm going to say, Harper Lee, this one's for you. <laughs> yeah. Harper Lee. So Harper Lee. Wild. James. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, Thank you sweet. so much. I hope you had a great time. I have. If we get to this stage in the conversation, I would love to ask you, what's that ghost light you wish was left on for you that you want to give to the next generation? Maybe you're already imparting it. You've got classrooms. Mm. But what's that? I need you to get this if you get anything from me. The ghost light that I'd leave on is that do truly do what you want to do. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. I've been around so many people that like have are just full of regrets uh, because they didn't make that decision, didn't make that choice, didn't um, jump and do something that made them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I would say push your boundaries and uh, trust yourself. A, a lot of people's uh, first gut instincts is usually right. Yeah. Like uh, it's it's usually the right way to go. It's like your primal primal f uh, fight or flight. Uh, do what you want to do. And it's scary. Yeah, it's super scary, especially in the world that we live in and all the choices that we decide to make. Um, but if you don't do what you want to do, I promise you, you'll be miserable. Mm -hmm. And I don't even mean that in like, a, I wish bad things upon you. I just know that you're going to be fighting your whole life wondering um, why. Yeah. Why you didn't do it. And you can fill that gap with all kinds of different things. But if you don't try, at least try mm -hmm. um, and then make that decision for yourself if it's worth it or if it's not worth it and you want to go a different path, that's super fine. Yeah. But like, especially while you're young and uh, early on, try, make those decisions, um, do the art, do the stuff that won't necessarily give you the most money. Um. Just do and specifically do stuff that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. There's there's no there's no point. The life is short. Everybody knows life is short. We I could go tomorrow, you know, yeah. and this would be my last little interview thing, which would be funny. Um to me, I just think it'd be funny to end like this because I'd be like, Oh yeah, like I went out with a with a bang. Oh, man. Um well, you got too much shit to do. So. I do. I got a lot of shit to do. Let's so. not let's not put yeah. let's not put <laughs> that, that out there. That's me. That's me coming back to life. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, don't kill me. I got don't, shit to do tomorrow. Don't kill me. I got shit to do tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just do what you want to do. Like push yourself. Uh, um, ask for help. Mm. That's a big one. A lot of people don't ask for help. I'm one of them. I it takes a lot for me to be like. I actually need the help for this. Like, don't be afraid. Um, make sure you have uh, like an inner circle. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something that my dad told me when I was a kid, and he was like, all you need is one friend. Mm. <laughs> as long as you have one person, like one good friend, like one best friend, somebody that you could truly count on, then you're fine. Yeah. Everybody else is a blessing. Oh, yeah. Everyone else you come across is a blessing because not everybody out there is for you. Mm -hmm. Like they're not for you, and they, and they really don't want the best for you. So for those people out there that are struggling with people in their life or they don't know, 
they're just trying to keep everybody in that's not doing them like service or like helping them out at all like let them go yeah life is short we ain't got time find your circle find the people that are supposed to be around you create the stuff that you want to create um don't worry about the money always. I know it's hard. I think about money every day. Every oh, yeah. day it's just a it's just a construct that we all have to deal with, but like sometimes you just let yourself be you. Let yourself uh be free to do the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to follow your dreams and uh just keep living, man. Oh, just yeah. keep living. Uh don't let things end uh short. Don't let things end short and just uh Love yourself. That's a big one, too. Love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, mm-hmm. ain't nobody else going to do it for you. Hell yeah. I'll tell you that straight up. Ain't nobody going to do that mess for you. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Loving yourself is a lot of work, but loving yourself lets you uh, find your dreams a lot faster, too, and find the things that you want to do and find the cohorts that you're supposed to be a part of and that, like, listen to folks. Yeah, listen to people around you, even if it is somewhat screaming and hollering or you don't agree with them. Um, you don't got to listen to all the points if they're hurting you, you know, but yeah. like there's always some truth or always something you can learn, even from the toxic moments. There's always something you can learn from it that, that yeah. will progress you and your progression uh, to better yourself. Always uh, strive to be better. Every day, I'd say always strive to be better. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, just be open and be it. Last a lot and easily. Yeah, last but not least, just be open. Open to uh, whatever comes to you. Whatever comes to you and whatever um, you wish your life to be, you know, yeah. just be open. You can't achieve it without being open. My man. Yeah. That's right. So, Ladies and gentlemen, the <laughs> artist is James Brunt. That's wild. Writer, actor, professor, renaissance man. <laughs> Get those tickets um, right now. Yeah, theater of mine, you better, you better soup your tickets. They are gonna, they're going to go away very, 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 very quickly. It's be wild. So come out and support, support James. Support Denver. Support live theater. Dan, do the damn thing. I do. (laughs) How old are you? I'm 28. God damn. (laughs) Which college are you teaching at? Metro. Who are you you teaching at Metro? I teach uh, devising theater. Son of a... Yeah, I know. I just started. My first semester was this last semester.